in the immortal words of John Bon Jovi, I've got my coat and my keys, I need you next to me, then I'm gone. Destination? Tales from a home worker. <laughs> Everybody, it's episode four of Tales from a Homeworker. This is your host, Mike Jones. Um, how cheesy was the intro? Apologies, it was cheesy, but I'm a Bon Jovi fan. Curse me for it. I'll hold my hands up. It's it's my it's my guilty pleasure. I'm a Bon Jovi fan, so hey, get over it. Um, well, what a week. Weather's getting lovely again. It got a bit cold in the week, didn't it, guys? It got a little bit chilly, and we were wrapping up. We were pulling those winter woolies back on, weren't we? But what a cracking day it is today. I'm looking out my window, it's sunshiny, sun's cracking the flags, and everybody's feeling just a little bit better about it. And we got a long weekend! Homeworkers, yay! Long weekend, yet yeah, we do still get days off. Just because we're working from home, it's not a day off, is it? Uh, you all know that. We're probably working harder than we ever worked before. But this weekend, we've got Friday off for the, um, well, it's bank holiday. It got moved. Some of you may or may not know. Um, that it got moved because of the VE Day celebrations, Victory in Europe. So we can have a bit of a, a shout out for for our brave men and women later on. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's been it's been a good week. It's been a shorter week. It's been a busy week. Um, but barbecues coming out this weekend. We've got to get some cold beers in the fridge. It's going to be absolutely lovely. And hopefully, hopefully, Boris is going to announce on Monday. Hopefully. The start of some of the royal accent of the lockdown measures. So maybe we can start to go and see our families, our partners, our friends, our loved ones. Just maybe we can start getting back into the world and starting to return a little bit to norm normality. Don't know about you, I'm quite enjoying working from home. It's quite chilled. The tea's better here. And there's a better selection of biscuits. And, and I can put the telly on in the corner, but you didn't hear me say that. Um, so what have we got for today? We've got a bit of a packed show today. Hopefully not as packed as last week's because apologies for that. I didn't realise I rambled, I talked a lot and we racked that in at an hour and a half and I considered cutting some stuff out but hey, do you know what? Fat adds flavour as far as I'm concerned so I left it all in there. Um, but it might be a little bit of a shorter one this week. Um, but content packed. Uh, no doubts anyway. So what have we got? What have we got to look forward to? Well, we've got elementary puzzle. We've got an elementary puzzle. Uh, a new one for this week. Did anybody get last week's solution? I'm going to be revealing that one to you pretty soon. Uh, we've got some words and phrases. We've got usual did you knows. Um, I'm going to give you a little food tip this week, guys. I'm going to tell you how to make the most amazing roast potatoes. We all love a Sunday lunch. I know I do. I love it. Veggies, meat, gravy, you know, whatever, whatever. But a Sunday dinner, a Sunday roast is not a Sunday roast until you've got properly amazing roast potatoes on your plate. So I was told this tip a little while ago and I'm going to share that one with you. Um, we're going to finish off our four-parter on self-care. And it kind of ties in nicely. We're going to be talking about eating. Um, nutrition, food. I don't want to say dieting. Dieting is the wrong word. Um, but we're going to have a little discussion about um, what, what we consume. Okay. Um, I've got a scary story for you that was a good one last week but i think i've got a better one for you this week um i do like to send you all away with a little bit of a fright um 
I've I've written an article. One of the things I want to do for you is about adventure and the seeking of adventure because I know I've been pining for the road um, over the past few weeks now. Um, so I've written a little piece on that and I, and I want to share that with you. Um, we're going to throw in our usual contribution from Wolfstag and there's a, there's a little bit of extra I want to give you around Wolfstag and poetry, if I can do. And then something I want you guys to get involved in, okay, are lockdown go-to lists, right? It's what we call a lockdown go-to list. In lockdown, where do you go to in terms of uh, music, movies, TV, books, so on and so forth? Okay, I'm going to give you my contribution later on. And then I'm going to ask you to, to throw your same back at me. And for those good ones out there, I'll, I'll share those on the podcast in the coming weeks. So get your emails over to me, tells from a home worker at outlook.com. Or you can find me on the usual social media. I'm usually dipping around when I'm not deleting it. Okay, without much further ado, let's get on with the rest of the show. It's time for the elementary puzzle. Who got last week's answer? For those of you that don't remember the question, it was this. Okay, it reads as so, a little bit Sherlock Holmesy. You've noticed, I dare say, at night when the flat is cold, that the carpeted floor here in the sitting room feels much warmer than the towel floor in the bathroom, said Holmes. Quite so, I agreed. Have you given any thought to why that ought to be the case? Well, the carpet, I began. Trailing off as I realised he had not actually considered the matter. But surely you cannot think that the carpet is any different temperature to the tile. The flat is uniformly heated after all. Of course not. So why the difference then? Once I'd had a moment to actually consider the matter, the answer was obvious. Given my medical experience, it is an issue of the thermal conductivity. Ceramic tile, like metal, conducts heat very effectively. Wool does so very poorly. So when you step on wool, the material is slow to leach the heat away from your foot. By comparison, when you step on tile, it draws the heat away quickly. So your feet stay warm on the carpet and chill rapidly on ceramic. And you perceive the difference as the materials being different temperatures, even though they are not. And so to this week's elementary puzzle. This one's called the barrel. Come on, Watson, said Holmes. Let's test your mental musculature with a simple challenge. Very well, I replied. Imagine you are faced with a sizeable, open-topped barrel of water, Holmes instructed me. You know that it is close to being half full, but you do not know whether it is exactly so, or more, or less. With no instrument available with which to measure the depth of the water, can you devise a means to ascertain its state? answers to me by email. Did you know, when someone has lost their bottle, they have lost their nerve and their bravery? This phrase originates from the world of bare-knuckle prize fighting during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. In a fighter's corner, one of his seconds was known as the bottle man, and his job was to supply water to a fighter between rounds. Without water, a fighter was unable to continue, and sometimes it was known for a bottleman to be asked to walk away and leave when a fighter was taking a beating, to provide an excuse for him not continuing. The phrase, 
lost his bottle man was later shortened and widely used to describe cowardly behaviour. enjoyed last week's true story of the paranormal I've got another one for you this week and I hope you enjoy this one too this is a story that comes from Tim in Hove who recounts something that actually happened to him one night the following are his words one night in December 2004 I was driving back to Brighton from my workplace near Linfield in Sussex a little after 11pm. I worked in a care home and the hours were unsociable. The journey took me along the B2112 from Wivelsfield through the village of Ditchling and then a left turn onto Beacon Road before ascending the very steep winding road known as Ditchling Bostel leading up to Ditchling Beacon, the tallest peak on the Sussex Downs. I passed through the quiet village and, as the streetlights came to an end, flicked on my main beams and shifted into a low gear to negotiate the tight bends which snaked their way up the hillside trees, reaching in from either side of the road to meet in the middle. As I made my way around the fourth turn on the ascent, about two-thirds of the way up the incline, my headlamps illuminated the back of a tall male figure. Striding up the right-hand side of the road and travelling in the same direction as me. High leather boots, a long dark coat and a wide-brimmed hat were clearly picked out in the Ford Escort's halogen main beams. My immediate impulse was to avoid hitting the unexpected walker, who I assumed to be a farmer, perhaps making his way home from one of the village pubs. High earthen banks and dense trees lined both sides of the road and there was nowhere for a pedestrian to move out of the way of traffic. It occurred to me that maybe something was wrong, like his car had broken down in the village and he could use a lift up such a punishingly steep hill on such a cold night. I eased off the throttle, coming to a halt halfway between the two bends with my foot on the brake pedal and lowered the driver's window. I could clearly see the figure reflected in my door mirror still striding up the side of the road towards me and brightly lit by the brake lights. As he drew closer, I cleared my throat and prepared to ask him if he needed a lift up the hill. And then I noticed one tiny detail. It had no face. The hat, the coat, and even a scarf knotted at the throat were plain to see in the bright red brake lights. But where the face should have been was nothing but darkness. It wasn't in shadow from the hat as the brakes were low down and lit the figure completely. It wasn't a balaclava or any other face covering, as that would have at least have shown an outline. Above the scarf and below the hat, there was simply nothing at all. I tried to rationalise what I'd seen, but I couldn't come up with anything. I don't expect to be believed whenever I choose to share this story, 
and I accept there is always a high level of ridicule leveled at people who claim they've had a brush with something inexplicable. So it's the last part of our uh, self-care topic we were talking about. If you remember the four elements, we broke it down into four parts and I've covered the first three already. Um, so what I want to finish on is, well, I suppose it's a topic that's, that's close to my heart at least anyway, eating. Or, or bigger than that, wider than that really, it's, it's more than eating. It's what we consume in full because it's eating, it's drinking. And for those of you out there who are partial to, to these things, it might even be the drugs that we take and uh, not for me it's never been my thing hand on heart it's never been my thing but there's some of us out there that, that do to varying degrees um that's a topic all in itself that so i'm just going to concentrate on on um you know food and drink um for today's session now it's one of those things eating it's a bit of a contentious issue because certainly over the past few years um, we've heard a lot of people say, or I, I quite often hear people say, I can't afford to, to eat uh, healthily. And, and that, for me personally, is not something that, that I believe. Um, you give me the money that you'd spend in a takeaway, and I'll take you into a supermarket and get you a load of veggies and meat, or if you're a veggie, you know, um, you know, protein alternatives, whatever it might be, and cook you up not just one, but many really amazing dishes. Um, for me, before we even get into um, you know the, the nutrition part of it, teach yourself some basic skills in the kitchen. It will save you so, so much money. So, so much money. The, the amount of times I see people go and buy a bag of sliced carrots, and when you look at the price in comparison to, to just rough carrots bought loosely, they're charging you an arm and a leg for, for cutting things up. So if you want to invest in anything, invest in a sharp knife. A sharp knife and a peeler in your kitchen will save you a shed load of money, okay? Learn how to chop, learn how to prep. There's videos online you can go to that will teach you these things, you know, if you're not entirely sure. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it just comes down to just taking the time. And let's be honest, for, for most of us now, we've got that time. Um, and just practicing, okay? Uh, just be careful with knives when you are chopping and slicing. Um, like I say, there's some amazing videos out there. Go and look for Jamie Oliver's videos. Tuck, like tucking your fingers in when you're slicing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, if you're gonna do it, do it safely. Don't get chopping digits off or whatever you do. Um, with that as well, in terms of, of, of shopping and buying um, healthily, I shop now, particularly when it comes to like fruit and veg, other um, things for that matter, I shop by weight. You'll see like the big price that they advertise to you. But underneath they'll say price per 100 grams or price per kilo. And a little bit of simple maths will tell you that sometimes buying something in a certain way is massively cheaper than buying something in another way. Bananas, right? Bananas is my absolute bugbear for this. You go into any supermarket and you will find um, pre-bagged bananas, bunches of bananas, and they'll say a pound. Bag of bananas, take away one pound. I take them to the scales and I guarantee you every single time if I put a one pound bag of bananas on a scale uh, and press the button for loose bananas, you're looking at 60, 70 pence worth of fruit every single time. Every single time. And they're doing that with other fruit and veg as well. 
So just check your prices beforehand, and if it's cheaper to buy it loose, just stick it in a bag. All right? Try to avoid the plastic ones these days, guys. We all try to cut down on plastic if we can do. Um, and you can get those fab. I've seen these in supermarkets now. You can get those those little cloth and sort of fibrous. I don't know what they're made out of, uh, but bags, reusable bags. You can put your fruit and veggies in every week, and you just you know you bring them back and fill them up. Um, so if you can do that, it's all saving the planet. You know, it's another big thumbs up there. Um, and if you are getting plastic, recycle your plastic. That's another book. Barely wrap everything in plastic. It drives me up the wall. But that's 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 a whole other thing. Okay. So think about what you're paying for stuff. Don't pay dear. Don't just get a bag of something that's sliced because it's convenient. They're ripping you off. They are ripping you off. Um, so just be careful of that. Be cautious of that. Okay. Now, I don't want to use the word diet. Right, it's for me. It's a bit of a curse word, because it brings all sorts of connotations with people. You say diet to most people, they'll think extreme methods of eating to lose a lot of weight in a short space of time. What those diets tend not to do is to prepare you for the future. Okay, so just think about healthy eating. It's good physically for you. We, we all know that. You know, being a lower weight, being fitter, um, it's always going to be good for you um, physically. But mentally as well, you know, good diet is so key to good mental health. You know, whether you've you've got good mental health anyway, it's gonna it's gonna help to keep that tip top. If you're struggling with a mental health condition, it is only gonna benefit you. Okay, it's well known. There's plenty of studies out there. There's plenty of research. There's even research done with prisons, prison experiments. Okay, where they've they've gone into a prison and they've changed the diet in there from the slops and rubbish they were getting fed to healthy vegetables, uh, salads, you know, fresh, fresh prepared food. And the behaviour of, of the inmates in the prisons has always improved massively. So there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it actually improves behaviour, improves your peace of mind, improves your mental health, improves your physical health, okay? But that's got to be a change for, for the good. It can't just be a diet for losing weight. You've got to think about this going on. Now, I did this a few years ago now. I'm not, I'm not going to bore you with, with the figures, but uh, X amount of years ago, I put on far too much, too much weight and decided that I, I was reaching a milestone birthday and didn't want to be that person reaching that birthday. Um, so I decided to change my eating, but wanted to try and make it so it was going to be a change for the future. So one of the one of the things that, that diets will tell you to do is to cut something out, you know, cut the cut the carbs, cut the fat, cut this, cut the other. Right? It's it's steering you on a on a on a bum steer. If if this stuff worked, we wouldn't need it. Okay? The the there the diet industry is there ultimately to make money out of you. Let's let's be honest. Right? Healthy eating is the way to go. So I made the decision not to follow any fatty diets, just to look at what I was eating change some of the stuff that was that wasn't good for me um but not deny myself anything because how many times have you heard people say i haven't had a beer in three weeks i haven't had a burger in, in four weeks i'm going out of my mind well i decided that well if i wanted a beer of a weekend if i wanted a burger you know for my tea i'd have it but I'd calculate that in with, I'm not a big fan of counting the calories, you tend to get a little bit too fastidious with it, okay? 
but being mindful of what you're eating. So if I'm gonna have like a naughty burger and chips, well at lunchtime I'm gonna have a salad. Okay, balance it out. Try and be sensible. Make sensible choices. Okay, moderation wins every every time. Okay, so the point is, is you can have those little cheats, and I I completely I lost a lot of weight still having those little cheats. With the exception of Pringles, I had to step away from sour cream and chive Pringles. They are my drug of choice. Uh, it's it's advertisers usually lie to you, but Pringles adverts once you pop, you cannot stop. That is me. That is me. Once that tube is open, them bad boys are gone. I am devouring the whole lot. I will inhale them in one sitting, given half the chance. So that's the only thing I kind of put my foot down there with. Everything else was, was pretty much fair game. But I con concentrated on portions, and I concentrated on the food, fresh food, good food, okay, cooking it from scratch. Once you get some cooking skills as well under your belt, there's there's very little that I've had that I've eaten, you know, from a, from a takeaway that I haven't made better at home. I can buy a burger from well I don't use McDonald's, um, but Burger King or there's a kebab house local to us that does burgers and I've had their burgers and they're nice. It's never a patch on the ones I do myself though, and particularly when it's a lovely weekend like we're gonna have now where the sun's shining, and you you put that burger on the barbecue, oh my word. Oh my word, it's amazing. I've talked about it in the past, but yeah, it's properly good. Okay, so have your little cheats, have your little naughties, but it's moderation. Watch the size of your portions, okay, and try and consume, uh, you know, good, healthy, pure foods, as, as pure as possible. And when I say that, when I first started doing the whole diety thing or sort of like watching what I was eating, I thought, oh, I'll choose low fat options or maybe low fat spreads. And then you, you start reading the back of the packets of these things and they read like a science experiment. They seriously do. So what I did was switch to proper milk, proper butter. Proper butter is heaven. Let's be honest. I'm a bit of a fan of James Martin. He uses too much, but he's absolutely right. That that butter is, you know, it's, it's, it's the best flavour. And it's a pure, pure product as well. You know, low-fat yogurts, they take the fat out of yogurt, but they replace it with sugar. So you're replacing one supposedly bad thing for another. So I made the decision to just eat good, proper, pure foods. And it's, it's yeah, you can feel so much better for it afterwards. Um, I know that because one days when I do decide to have a bit of a naughty meal, if I have a takeaway, usually the next day I'm flagging a bit. You know, I feel a little bit run down. So I, I tend not to do it very often. I'm not a, I'm not a massive uh, user of, of takeaways and deliveries. I do prefer to cook my own stuff, okay? But try and, try and balance your plates up, okay? You do need your carbs in there. As much as there's, there's diets and exercise advice out there that says, you know, cut the carbs, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe cut out your breads and, and stuff. You know, cut down on the potatoes a bit, but you can't cut it out altogether. You know, your body's an engine at the end of the day and it needs a, a mixture of fuel for it to work effectively. So you need your, your carbs, you need, you know, your pulses, you need a bit of dairy in there, you need your protein, whatever that protein looks like. Okay, you know, for, for, for carnivores or omnivores as, as as I am, you know, that's that's me. I do love me meat. I, you know, hands up to anybody that's vegetarian, you know, and I understand all the arguments and, and science behind it. I'm completely, completely on board of it. Um, but I love a burger. <laughs> I 
and I love a roast lamb and I, and I love a roast chicken um, and I'm not entirely sure I'm prepared to give that up so in that terms when I do shop for me I do, I do try and shop sustainably and I look for free range and I look for stuff that I as to the best of my knowledge has been um, reared uh, and slaughtered in, in a humane way and, you know and, and reared sustainably you know and I, I won't buy rubbish life's too short for bad food right you've only got so many meals in this life make sure each one of them is a good one okay but make sure it's a balanced plate and again there's loads of advice online loads of nutrition advice you can go to and find out uh, about that okay but enjoy enjoy your food you know mix up some salads and do some um, roast foods you know make your own curries whatever it might be now is a great time to actually start you know experimenting with that and getting in the kitchen and having a bit of a play around and learn some skills it's a skill for life and it, it's a skill that will serve you incredibly well in the future so I can, you know I can't recommend it and it's, it's also I might have mentioned it in the past as well it's, it's also really mindful I know personally when I get in the kitchen and I start cooking and prepping and doing my thing I'm at peace I'm concentrated on a on a on a a meal on a recipe and I can get on with it and I'm just completely in that food zone and it's great and it, you know it feels you kind of get a little bit of a euphoric buzz when you're having a little bit of a taste and it just you know it tastes amazing so yeah from that point of view um, get on with the food in terms of drinking um, do hydrate the the amount of people that I know that just properly don't hydrate. You know, they're not drinking enough water. They're not having enough liquids in their life. Um, and it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be just pure, plain water. That is the best. Chilled. There's, there's, sometimes there's never... Oh, on the subject of chilled water. The best water you will ever taste in your life is that glass of water you've got by the side of your bed. When you wake up like half past three, four o'clock in the morning, your mouth's all dry. That water tastes like nectar doesn't it it just it tastes amazing okay but it doesn't have to be water it could be it could be any liquid you know i like a cordial i like to put a little bit of taste in there might be a cup of tea or a coffee and um, be careful with your caffeine intake of course um you know do try and avoid uh, the fizzy drinks at least the sugary fizzy drinks um there's other options out there you can get you know there's loads i mean every i think every sort of like soft drink now has a as a no sugar option and i know some people will say it doesn't taste the same but you know this is the give and take of it you know too much sugar in your diet it's not a great thing um and you'll get used to it after after a little bit of time you know i enjoy a pepsi max especially with a bourbon on it on a saturday night but i'm not gonna go past that now because we're supposed to be being healthy um but yeah but just make sure you're hydrated make sure you're getting plenty of fluids in okay again fuel your body effectively all right, okay. I think that's enough for now. Give you something to think about. If you've got any questions or thoughts or anything you want to contribute about food and healthy eating and maybe the exercise that goes with it, please do feel free to contact me. And if we can include it in a in another episode, I absolutely will. Tales from a home worker at outlook.com or contact me on the usual social media. Okay, it's tea time. <laughs> Food tip of the week. This one I've been doing for a few years now. Because a roast, a Sunday roast, is not a roast unless it's got proper crispy roast potatoes. So this is the method that I've been using for a few years and it's just, it's amazing every, every time. Okay, so this is what you do. Your potatoes first. Peel them, slice them if they're big potatoes. 
give them a rinse underwater, get rid of the starch, okay? Pop them into boiling water for about 10 minutes, salted, okay? Just to parboil them. 10 minutes is all you need. Take them out into a sieve. Don't leave them in the water. Let them steam dry, okay? You can do this earlier on. You can, you can do it an hour before, however long you need to do it before. That's absolutely fine. But just let them steam, let the moisture evaporate out of them. Okay, that's your first stage. Second stage is preparing them for the oven. Get your roasting tin in the oven, get it warm, gas mark, eight near the top, usually works for me. You're all gonna have different cookers and, and different um, different stuff like that. So you might have to have a little bit, little bit of a, um, a think about the, the times and, and where you put things in the oven. Completely down to your equipment, you'll know this, but have to have a bit of a play around with it. Okay. So get your roasting tin in the oven. Then you need a mix. This is where you're gonna to have to add something to your shopping list next time you're out. Get yourself some polenta into a bowl, some sea salt, some cracked black pepper, and I use Italian herbs, okay? So it's gonna be mostly polenta, with a couple of grinds of sea salt, a couple of grinds of pepper, some Italian herbs or whatever herbage you wanna use. Mix it round. You've got a bit of a mix then. Your potatoes, now I find if you've got yourself a, a metal colander, that's the best. Give them a bit of a chuff in the colander first. What do I mean by that if you don't know? Give them a bit of a zhuzh round, mix them round, jig them up and down, get the potatoes bashing into the sides of the colander, into each other. Try and get a little bit of, of rough edges going on with your potatoes, rough them up a bit. You don't want them smooth, okay? Bit of olive oil. Drizzle some olive oil in there. Again, shush it around. Get that oil coating the potatoes. You don't need loads. And if under your colander you've got a plate or something, the oil drips through, you can save that later for putting back on your potatoes. But again, coating olive oil. Then what you want to do is with your polenta mix, sprinkle that on your baked potato on your on your baked potatoes, on your roast potatoes. Get that mix on your potatoes and again, shush them around in your colander. By now you should have really sort of gnarly, crispy. Uh, edges going on okay all rough looking like they might even fall apart a little bit they won't they'll be fine okay but you want that polenta and olive oil coating all around the baked potatoes take your hot tray out the oven drop your potatoes into the tray a little bit of, of the oil remnants that, that's come through if you've got anything there don't waste anything get that into the into the uh, roasting dish as well and maybe a drizzle more of olive oil if it looks like it needs a little bit more olive oil get that in there give it a bit of a zhuzh again Get it back in the oven. About 40, 45 minutes, like I say, around about gas mark eight. You want it quite high. Now, keep an eye on it, around about 30 minutes. Take them out, test them, see if, they, if they're getting soft. If they are, get yourself a potato mash. Now, this is a little bit of extra fun here. Get yourself a potato masher and just gently, gently squeeze each potato, just until it bursts, just until it pops open, okay? then bang it straight back in the oven, give it another 15, 20 minutes, however long you need to finish them off. You will get the most amazing, crispy, fluffy roast potatoes, just begging for your gravy. It's listeners question time, and this week's question comes from Anonymous in Chester. She wishes to remain anonymous so as not to appear weird because it's a pretty weird question um, and I'm a pretty weird person because I actually have an answer for it 
So her question to me was, what's your favorite cloud? Yeah, you heard it right, what's your favorite cloud? Now, most of you, I know those of you out there, cloud enthusiasts will go for the old classic Cumulo Nimbus, because that's what you, what you all go for. You know, it's, it's a lovely, fluffy cloud. But my particular favorite, lenticular. A lenticular cloud, because lenticular clouds are often mistaken for UFOs. There you go. That's my answer. So weird, unusual fact of the week, which, funnily enough, carries on completely from what I was talking about with the uh, with the question of the week. It's another kind of did you know? Did you know a cloud can weigh more than a million pounds? Right? Honestly, clouds are not as light and fluffy as they appear. In fact, researchers have found that a single cloud weighs about 1.1 million pounds. How do you know this? Well, that number is calculated by taking the water density of a cloud and multiplying it by its volume. Fortunately, the cloud can still float at that weight because the air below is even heavier. Here you go, pub quiz. I've been thinking a lot this week about how much I'm missing road trips. Everything else I'm coping with fine and I'm lucky to have a large garden so I'm not totally cut off from nature but it's not the same is it? I'm yearning for the open winding roads that lead me away to destinations unknown. Into the countryside with the little villages, quaint little pubs and coffee shops that always serve the most amazing food and cold cold beer. Or maybe just a lovely cup of tea. Then venture into nature itself. I'm always drawn by water and I'll gravitate towards the babbling brooks and streams, the rivers, canals, lakes, or even the coast with its jagged rocks, sandy beaches and ozone scented waves lapping at the shore. The countryside draws me, but I also feel a call to the sea for reasons I don't know. But again, I'm happy when close to the oceans. Taking a bag, getting in my car and just driving. Sometimes with no destination in mind other than I'm heading in that direction to see what I can discover. Now my sense of direction is not great at the best of times. I could get lost in my own house. So sat navs have been my absolute godsend. But sometimes you just switch them off and go. Only turning them back on again when it's time to head home. For me, the urge to go exploring is especially strong at this time of year. The trees are really blooming right now with this season's new leaves and it's been noticeably warmer. We've had the warmest April on record and what an absolute treat that is because some previous Aprils we've been really wintry and snowy. It's made the lockdown a whole lot more bearable. So I have a few destinations in mind. The draw to Scotland is always with me. To go back to the ancestral Celtic roots that I hold so dear. For those of you with time on your hands, genealogy is a really interesting subject to get into. When I started, I confirmed what I already knew, and that was the Welsh, Irish and Shropshire connections. That stuff was well known in the family. We didn't know to what extent, but we had some idea. What came as a surprise was the Scottish and Swedish roots. Discovering your past is an adventure in itself. 
Now, I've never felt particularly English for some reason. I've just never been drawn to it. Preferring more Gaelic and Celtic cultures with their music, art, literature and poetry. Even the poetic and, and lyrical nature of the spoken language is more appealing to my ears, and I'm sure many of you feel the same. I've always been attracted to the Scandinavian countries as well. They've always seemed really appealing to me with the lifestyle and the culture. Always seemed to be in tune with my own personal feelings on how life should be led. So imagine my surprise when after taking a DNA test I discovered Scottish and Swedish heraldry. Was my DNA trying to tell me something? Can you be drawn to an ancestral seat because of the blood that runs through your veins? I don't know, but I know that the pull to go there is strong. I've always wanted to head down to Devon and Cornwall, but haven't yet. The call to the coast is one of the strongest I feel, and it also happens to be another ancestral home with my great-grandfather so many times removed, originating from there. Jesse March the stonemason who met and married a girl in Oxford and eventually found himself here. I wouldn't be here at all if it wasn't for his sense of adventure and the sense of adventure that runs through my roots. Now of course there are many national parks you can go to, stately homes, old castles and so on that you could spend a lifetime exploring and you can never get bored. There's so much out there for you to discover for yourselves. Ultimately though, it's nature that calls me. It calls me and it knows what I need. The science will call it biophilia, an innate longing for all that is alive and natural. I just know that when I'm in nature, I'm happier. Almost euphoric, you could say. I'm calmer, I'm more at peace. My mind settles and I can feel at one, the cares of the world just drifting away. So I patiently sit and wait for the time when we can go again. There's a world out there waiting to be explored and I can't wait to go out and see what new treats await. That's my adventure. It's what I seek because that's what is new, fresh and excites me. Yours might be completely different, but if you can't attain it now, start to make a plan for it. What might it look like? How do I get there? What is it that really gives me something to look forward to? Then one day, when all this lockdown and isolation is history, grab your coat, grab your keys and go for it. going to read you another Wolfstag poem um, but before I do um, there's a bit of an admission to make uh, for a few weeks now I've been um, reading out these poems from Wolfstag and thanking the contributor for the poems and pointing you towards their uh, Instagram page where there was other poetry on there which you can read um, it's me I've been writing them um, and I suppose the reason why I wanted to keep it separate is one, I was a little bit embarrassed about writing poetry to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure how people would take it and the anonymity gives you a, a bit of a barrier between that. People can just um, read it and comment on it, you know, however however they wish. Um, and it was always really lovely, it was always really positive and that was nice. 
And secondly, a lot of what I do in terms of, of what I do professionally, I talk about mental health and uh, being vulnerable and being brave. And I suppose in some respects, I was going against that by not saying that actually, do you know what, it's me. It's me that writes this stuff. I get little poetic urges. I like words. I like, you know, I like the poetry of it. I like the, the lyrical nature of it. Um, so yeah, so it, it's me. I'm still going to post it under the Wolfstag banner. Um, but what I'm going to do is going to post it under my own uh, Instagram account from now on, Lockham Shores, if you haven't seen it. So you don't need to go to a, to a second account. Um, it'll all be there on the same page. This one was um, a poem that I wrote really to coincide with what I've been talking about with uh, adventure. Um, so it just got me thinking about that and, and, and this is what I wrote anyway. The long open road to destinations undiscovered, no matter the weather, my soul I recovered. The feel of the earth, the wind and the rain to breathe in this nature, it's calling my name. So pick up your bag, you know it's not wrong. We're hitting this road, it's where we belong. Thanks guys. That weather's still looking amazing out there, isn't it? And it's, it's looking like it's gonna be pretty fab for the weekend. Um, and you're probably gonna want something to do uh, with your time while you're doing it. now. I got sent this this week. Uh, it's called the lockdown go-to, um, and uh, basically what it is 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 what is what has been your go-to things. And I'll go through this 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 five categories, right? So during lockdown, at times of I don't know boredom or just maybe just you haven't got much to do. What what are your go-to things to do? So I've had to think about mine, and I'll and I'll go through them next. But have a think about them yourself, and if you can send them over to me, pop them in an email or send them on social media, and I'll read them out. But if you're incredibly clever, record them on your device and send it over to me, and if I can include it in the podcast, um, it might be nice for some of you to hear another voice other than mine for a change. Um, so this is the lockdown go-to, right? And the idea being is, during lockdown, what are your go-to songs movies and TV shows, books, food, and then there's a bit of a joker, a bit of a wild card at the end, and anything else category. So what is your go-to anything else? All right, so let's start with um, with my song. Now, I do love music. My, my iPhone is absolutely chock full of music of all different um, genres, um, and I've been thinking about the sort of stuff that, that, I'm, that I'm into, really. Um, Massively into my rock music, um, kind of, and that's pretty much based in sort of like that late 80s hair thing. Back in the days when I had big hair, oh, I had such long hair when I was when I was younger. And I'm sure there's some photographs knocking around of me with, with, with big, scary, boomy hair, 80s, proper 80s, big hair. Um, alas, no more, it has departed, it has gone away. Um, what can you do about it? Absolutely nothing other than get a pair of clippers and whip the rest of it off. Anyway, that's kind of where where my music sort of like um, lives. And and from the eighties, but more into the nineties, um, like the whole grunge thing. I love the Foo Fighters. I love Nirvana, Soundgarden, um, those sort of bands. Pearl Jam is my band. Pearl Jam, I absolutely adore. 
Um, I went to see them a couple of years ago in Manchester and they blew me away. Eddie Vedder is an absolute hero of mine. And I am absolutely distressed and distraught because I was actually going to go and see them at Hyde Park in London this year. And but it's been cancelled. Had I had uh, an Airbnb down in London. It was going to be great. Me and my cousin Davey. Big shout out, Davey boy. Davey's, Davey's the guy who, who does the guitar riffs in the podcast. Um, he's a legend. He's, he's my brother from another mother. Uh, me and him were going to go down to London. We had this proper funky Airbnb um, studio apartment there. It was going to be proper chill. We're going to go down there. We're going to get some drinks. We're going to chill in London. And then the Friday we're going to spend at, at the Hyde Park gig. And the Pixies were playing. And, and yeah, Pearl Jam were headlining. And it was going to be proper amazing. So they're, they're a go-to. Um, on a completely reverse kind of sound. Um, I, I fell in love, well I fell in love with one song and if I can pick one song that is my absolute favourite um, it's called Bonnie Portmore which is a very very old traditional folk song and I've heard different versions of it but the version I heard was actually now some of you might not remember this remember the film Highlander with Christopher Lambert the immortal there can be only one they made a TV series and one of the kind of theme songs that ran through um, the series was this song called Bonnie Portmore, which I discovered was sang by this Canadian, Canadian folk singer called Lorena McKennett. Um, and off the back of finding that song, I found her album and, and, and other albums and completely fell in love with Celtic folk music. And that completely plays into, into who I am anyway. And I've, and I've yet to hear a sound or a singer comparable to what she plays and in my quieter moments when I'm feeling a bit more relaxed and a little bit sort of like in tune with the world <laughs> to sound a little bit hippie Lorena is where I go to and I was so privileged last year because she doesn't tour around an awful lot last year on my birthday uh, actually on my birthday she was playing in Manchester and, and we got tickets and me and my sister went to see her in, in Manchester and her opening song was Bonnie Portmore on my birthday it was just incredible so seek her out it's just it's just beautiful beautiful music okay so that's 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 Lorena but I, I listen to all sorts of different genres but I'm gonna particular pick a particular song for the lockdown go-to because it was the song that really got me through the early days of the lockdown and when I was I was really poorly um, I might have mentioned it in the past. I've not been tested for it. I can't get a test for it just yet. I might be able to in the future, but um, there was a real suspicion that I, that I came down with COVID-19 and I was incredibly poorly and a, and a little bit afraid to be completely and, and honestly truthful with you. Um, because when you're hearing of thousands of deaths, you kind of wonder whether you know someone's knocking at your door to take it away. Um, on the weekend that I started to, to really get ill, Pearl Jam released their latest album called Gigaton and it was it was what I needed it was a shot in the arm um, to have something to raise my spirits and there was one particular song on there that basically became my brain floss and I played it over and over and over again and rarely does a day go by at the moment still that I don't play this song. Now unfortunately I can't I can't put music on the podcast for you. I absolutely wish I could. 
uh, but this song is called Quick Escape and it just talks about travel and just running away and going from country to country and it is just the biggest anthem and celebration of music and, and, and if you play it you've got to play it absolutely as loud as you possibly can if you can crank it up crank it up it needs that level and I did and it got me up and it got me moving about um, and it's just been an absolute saviour to me so that's my song Quick Escape by Pearl Jam okay movies and TV shows um, yeah I, 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 God, there's so many to choose from I do, I do love a film. I probably love a film more than I love a box set. If I'm completely honest, box sets at the moment they tend to get a little bit tedious, and it just they drag on, just sometimes far, far too long. Especially the American ones are like 23 episodes. I lose the will to live halfway through. It's like just tell the story and get it over and done with. Um, but I've got certain things that that are my go-to now. There's, there's probably two things that if you don't already know about me, you don't necessarily... You, I'm not saying you should know about me, but they are truths. I'm a massive fan of James Bond and I'm a massive fan of Sherlock Holmes. So, in terms of Sherlock Holmes, there's, now there's been many, many versions uh, of Sherlock Holmes. The Jeremy Brett ones from the 80s that ITV Granada did are absolutely brilliant and are definitive. And he is a stunning Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and Brit, I think they're on Britbox at the moment. You, you can certainly get them online, so have a look there. Um, also, recently, this, and the series came to an end, is Elementary, which kind of took uh, the Sherlock story and, and twisted it a little bit. American setting, it's Johnny Lee Miller as, as Sherlock Holmes, and it's Lucy Liu, the American actress, as Joan Watson, and it throws a little bit of a bit of a slant on it. But Johnny Lee Miller's brilliant in it. Uh, completely eccentric homes as, as as you might imagine but my go-to tv show is sherlock it shouldn't come as much of a surprise really uh benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman just kills it for me every time and if i'm ever struggling with with what am i going to watch on the telly there's nothing on a fancy watching something that tends to be what i go to so my my tv show lockdown go-to is sherlock in terms of movies, yeah, movie buff. Oh, there's, there's, there's so many, and there were so many I could have uh, chosen, really. You know, you got oh, Gladiator, I love Gladiator. I'm a bit of a fan of the 80s stuff, having grown up then. So, like, Ghostbusters, and The Goonies, and Back to the Future, and Indiana Jones. And, and how can I not mention, you know, the Star Wars story? Um, you know, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. There's so many great films you can go to. But there's a particular set of films that I find when I'm struggling to make a decision about what to watch, this is what I go to. It's Bond. And it's the Daniel Craig Bonds. And I know some of you will say, like, you know, Sean Connery is my favourite Bond or Roger Moore is, is, is my favourite Bond. But the Daniel Craig films are the ones that just really, really nail the, the sense of the book for me. I'm a fan of the books. I'm a fan of the Ian Fleming novels. And, and it's probably, I think it actually is, I think there's an argument to have it, it's the absolute closest to that written character that, that any of the Bonds have, have portrayed. Um, and they're gritty and they're hard and there's a bit of humour in there as you might expect. But he is absolutely amazing in the role. And this this last one that's coming out, had it's another one as well. I had tickets for the premiere night. Cancelled. Shut all the cinemas down. 
but apparently it's been re released in November, so fingers crossed for that. And uh, no time to die. But the other Bond films, and particularly Casino Royale, that, that really set the scene for it. Um, yeah, that's my that's my go-to movie. Okay, so on to books. Um, I do like a read, and I've, I've got quite an extensive uh, bookshelf. Now I've got an Amazon Kindle. Don't use it an awful lot. I, I, I did go that way. It was like, oh, new technology. Let's let's go down the Kindle route. It'll save you space on your shelf. But there's nothing like the feel of a proper book, is there? Having the pages in your hand, you know, it just it just feels it just feels better. So I have two go-to books. I'm so, I'm sorry not to sort of like break away from the theme that I've already set already. Um, but one of them's a Holmes book, and the other one's a, an Ian Fleming Bond book. Um, for James Bond, Ian Fleming. If you've never read Ian Fleming. You know, forget uh, you know a good chunk of the films that's out there. The Fleming books are a, are a world apart. Uh, my choice for for book, well, I've picked two. Uh, my first choice for book is Casino Royale, the first of the James Bond novels. Um, a fantastic read, and one I find myself picking up time and again and going back to. It really sets the scene. Um, and Fleming has a really interesting uh, writing style and really likes his food as well. I think that appealed to me. He's really quite descriptive of, of Bond's uh, food and, and, and eating habits and, and really gets into detail there. And it just stood out. The second one I'm going to pick is um, a Conan Doyle. It's, it's a Sherlock Holmes book. Um, now, probably not your obvious choice because when most people say, oh, my favourite Sherlock Holmes story is Hound of the Baskervilles. Um, but if you've ever actually read Hound of the Baskervilles, as great a story as it is, and it is a fantastic story, Sherlock Holmes is not in it an awful lot. Um, what I actually found was a better read, and it's full of adventure, is The Sign of Four. Um, which is one of um, Conan Doyle wrote four novels and most of the other stories were short short stories which appeared in the Strand magazine at the time so that they're really quite everything else is really quite quick reads um, but Conan Doyle wrote uh, four novels and Sign of Four is one of them uh, and it's for me it's, it's a bit of a rip-roaring adventure um, so that's that's going to be my other book recommendation there I do I do like an adventure story um, okay food Let's get on to my subject of food. I'm a bit of a foodie. I do love my food. <sighs> I've got I've got two two deep loves. Um, so let's. It was it was difficult to really separate these two. Um, but I'll go with with the very very close runner up first. I love a cheeseburger. There is nothing in the world like a like a big fat juicy cheeseburger. With a grilled toasted brioche bun, thick layer of, of juicy grilled meat, salad. I love the onion and tomato on there. You know, um, a burger relish, a lovely burger relish, um, and a layer of cheese. Something mature, something rich, something with a bit of bit of flavour to it. And then chips on the side. Of course, you've got to have chips. And skin on, chips are the best. Oh, they are the absolute best in the world. And a little bit of tomato sauce on the side for dipping your chips into is just, it's pretty amazing. Um, and I've had I've had many burgers bought out. You know, I've, I've been to, um, recommendation by the way, when this lockdown ends, for anybody that lives anywhere near Parkgate uh, in Wirral, get yourself over to Salty's. It is 
brilliant. Um, closer she'll get to a homemade burger. But I do, nothing's ever matched that homemade burger. You know, and I'll, I'll get, you know, beef mince, steak mince, season it. Like I say, on the but if you can get on a barbecue, get it on a barbecue. Just oil it up a little bit, get it on the barbecue, get it on a, on a griddle pan. Okay, the brioche bun, the salad, the whole thing. Um, now, if you think that's a bit of a naughty fatty meal, especially with the chips, get yourself one of these air fryer things. Um, I've got one of these gizmos. Basically, what you do is you put a, like a big portion of chips into the bottom of the pan um, with like a little teaspoon of, of oil that goes in, and then it, it, it cooks your chips by, by um, I don't know, science, hot air. <laughs> I don't know, I'm no expert, but it uses a fraction of the oil as compared to sticking them in a chip pan. But they come out tasting like they've come out of a chip pan. They're absolutely brilliant. But potatoes, if you're going to make your own chips, it's dead easy to do. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a hint and tip for that one next week, maybe, is how to make your own amazing chips. Um, but leave them, peel them. Leave the skins on. They're so much tastier with the skins on. Um, anyway, that's second choice. First choice. I adore Italian food. My lockdown go-to choice is a bolognese, a pasta bolognese. I won't say spaghetti bolognese because I tend to use linguine when I'm at home. Um, it's just a little bit, it's very like spaghetti, but it's flat and a little bit wide. It's like a very, very thin shoelace, flat shoelace. Um, and I just find it holds the sauce better. as, as pasta is that that is pasta's job and i like to make my bolognese from scratch when i can do i have been known to go to a jar hands up i will grab a dolmio but i don't just use that i tend to pimp it up a little bit so onions mushrooms uh, a little bit of liam perrins seasoning some italian herb i put the sauce in then you know and it's kind of like the sauce that you get out of jars they're, they're okay but they're a base for other flavors um you know mints in there as well don't don't get anything too low fat in your mints. I know there's I know I've, I've talked about healthy eating and stuff like that. Don't cut out all the fat uh, out of out of the meat because fat is flavour at the end of the day. Okay. Get it on there. Cook that up. Pasta when it's done. Now here's the thing as well. Okay, when you're cooking pasta, I'll, I'll probably do this as a tip further down the line as well. The water that you boil your pasta in should taste like the sea. Put a lot of salt in your water when you're boiling your pasta. You, now, you're not going to be eating that salt. It's there to flavour the pasta. Okay, So most of the salt is going to be in the pan when you take it out. But then what you do is always... Don't, don't do this trick of draining your pasta and leaving it in a colander by the side of the sink while everything else cooks. Right? Absolute tragedy and completely the wrong thing to do. Get your timings right. So your, your bolognese and your pasta's, you know, getting getting right round about the same time, okay? And then the pasta goes directly out of the pan into the bolognese directly and mix round and it'll suck up all that flavour. And chuck a bit of your starchy pasta water in there as well. Thins the sauce out a little bit and adds a bit more flavour to your sauce. Makes it rich and smooth and just luxurious. It's beautiful, okay? Get it on your plate. Some warm, warm, crispy, crunchy baguette and a grating of parmigiano over the top. Loads and loads of, of Italian cheese over the top and get stuck in. It's amazing. 
So that's my food choice. Lastly, the anything else, the random, the joker uh, option um, the people give about what would be your go-to um, in times of a lockdown when you've got nothing else to do. Um, oh, right, some of you are going to call me a complete saddo for this first one. I, I, again, I'm going to do the close runner-up and then the actual winner. Um, the close runner-up to me, I'm sorry. I'm not much of a gamer, right? I own a PlayStation. I don't play it an awful lot. I'm not really into those sort of like running and jumping and climbing games. I was never good at Call of Duty or anything like that. While everybody else on the game was being really stealthy, I was running on the spot, stomping, either pointing my gun straight into the sky or straight into the ground. Can't do it. I haven't got the coordination. What my go-to is, is Football Manager. Sorry, it is. I absolutely love Football Manager on the PC. Um, yeah, it's just what I, it's, yeah, I enjoy it. I've been playing it for years. Um, it's pretty much the only game that I play, other than Words with Friends, because I like a bit of Scrabble. Um, but yeah, that is that is my second place uh, lockdown go-to. Um, my first place, though, lockdown go-to, and I suppose I'm really fortunate in this respect, is nature. And I've, and I've mentioned this before in the podcast today and in other days. There's nothing that really fills my heart so much as, as being able to get outside, into the garden, into into nature and wildlife when you know when we can do when it's when it's available. We'll get back out there, but yeah, getting out to the garden, amongst you know the trees and the plants and the wildlife. There's an absolute joy. Um, and I've got bird feeders, but it's an absolute joy to, to have the birds come into the garden. And I've seen so many different different birds venture into the garden lately. You know, there's your, there's your pigeons and doves and magpies and sparrows and the usual things. But so many different other breeds and species that, that, that you know, land in the way um, now. Squ- I love squirrel in the garden. Some people say squ- squirrels are vermin and how do you stop? How do you stop squirrels from eating bird food? How has there ever been a device fitted or a mechanism where the birds can get the food and the squirrels are kept out? No. Do you know the easiest way? Feed the squirrel. Put a bowl of nuts on the floor. Feed the squirrel. He's hungry. Give him some food. He deserves as much time in the garden as anything else. What are you playing at? It's stupid. You can't stop them. The squirrels. They'll find a way round it. They're clever. That's what they do. Just, just give them a bit of food and get on with it. And watch them. The funny little creatures. They're lovely. They're adorable. When you get squirrels in your garden, you get hedgehogs in your garden, you get all the wildlife. Just get out and get a good lungful of it. Um, it's it's good. It's a great great feeling. So that's my that's my answers. That's my lockdown go tos. If if you want to give me your responses, please please do email me at tales from a homeworker at outlook.com or again contact me on social media. So it's your song, your go to song. It's your go to movie tv shows it's your go-to books it's your go-to food and it's your random joker anything else your wild card looking forward to hearing from you we're nearly at the end of the show it's time to do some shout outs uh yeah i said earlier on didn't i it's ve day weekend uh apparently the the anniversary if i'm not mistaken correct me if i'm wrong um, but the v- actual VE day is this Friday, Victory in Europe Day, to celebrate the day when we started to, I mean, it didn't happen straight away, but, you know, war in Europe officially came to an end. 
um, you know, and it was a great victory against a tyrant, and you know, who knows where we might have been had, uh, you know, the Nazi forces uh, overcome us. So my shout out is to the brave men and women who served during the Second World War, and I know there's not many of them left out there, but a shout out to my grandparents. My, my you know, my, my grandparents were, were were part of that, you know, that whole time and and lived through that. Um, serving in Africa and and you know across the world. Um, my grandparents, my nan and granddad, my mum's mum and dad, met and married during the Second World War. Met and married within the space of five days, and not long later, uh, my granddad um, went off, got shipped off to war. He was already a career soldier. He'd, he'd been in the army before the war started. Um, was was shipped off to serve abroad and was in North Africa, I believe. And they were out on manoeuvres one night, and something happened, and they dropped, and my granddad got shot in the back, um, inches away from his spine. Well, I, I remember my granddad when I was when I was growing up. He'd um, lived in Ellesmere Port in a little house in Ellesmere Port with a with a yard in the back, and he kept his pigeons. And he on a hot summer day, he'd have his shirt off. And I remember he had a massive eagle and snake tattoo, the full a full back piece, eagle and snake tattoo, and it wasn't done with machines like you see now. It wasn't done with any sort of kit. It was proper canes and needles and tap 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 and took hours and hours. He had tattoos all over. He was a real tattooed man, but this one was massive. And it was an old school version of tattooing. If you've never seen it, Google it. Uh, you know how anybody how anybody used to go through this, but he but he did. Um, and then when he when he got back to camp, when he got back to digs or wherever it was they were staying, um, he was made to to um, do his manoeuvres with his full kit on and his backpack on because it was a self inflicted injury. It's like you got no one to blame but yourself. But yeah, but if you hurt, so he had his full back tattoo and had to have you know had to do his manoeuvres with all his kit on. Um, but he got shot in the back, 1942, 1943, whatever year it was. And I say again, the bullet missed his spine by centimetres. And, and as I was growing up, as I remember him in the garden with a shirt off, he had literally a scar, a hole in his back that you could, if you made a fist, you could have fit it into his back, his lower back, just above his bum cheeks. You know, that's sort of like just above the coccyx type area. You could have put your hand in there, um, but he carried on working. You know, he, he worked like the devil. Um, never let him. Never let it sort of like get him down. It affected his health in later life, unfortunately, the injury because it affected his kidneys and and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it left this. It left this this incredible scar, which I suppose in one way was thankful he could never actually see it, but it was. You could always feel it, and it was a reminder. Um, but essentially. Um, because of the melee of war and everything that was going on, he was he was missing for a long, long time. Um, and my nan got a letter to say he was missing in action, presumed dead. And my nan actually, during the wartime, she was serving in the army as well. Um, she actually lived, you know, a chunk of time as a widow, believing he'd been killed in action. Um, and it wasn't until a long time later, I remember her telling me, it was a long time later that she found out my granddad was still alive and they met again at Birkenhead Railway Station I forget which one it was, it might have been Hamilton Square 
um, she was on one side of the tracks and she was on the other and they didn't really recognize each other straight away because it had been so long since they'd seen each other um, but then they got back together and, and they spent the rest of their lives together um, until my grandma passed away in 1987 um, I love them, he was my hero um, absolutely brilliant guy um, bit of a legend and maybe some of his stories is, is for a, a podcast another time um, so yeah, so when I think about VE Day and celebrations of, of, of those sorts, um, I always think about my grandparents. So yeah, and a bit, you know, so a big shout out to everybody, you know, who's who served then, who you know, who served now that do an incredible uh, job for us, protecting us. So that's the first time a shout out. Let's get the sensible one out of the way. Second time a shout out. All right, we're going to take this in a completely different direction now. So I'm going to take it in a silly, silly way because I feel like we need it. My second shout out is for Christmas chocolates and sweeties that's been hiding in the back of the cupboard because I found some this week. <laughs> I've been eating chocolate snowmen. <laughs> it's amazing. There's not much more to say about that, is there? Found sweets, as long as they're not like years old. Um. <laughs> If they're growing fur, leave them alone. That's my recommendation. Don't touch them. If, if they're green and they're not meant to be green, chuck them in the bin. Okay. And the third of my shout-outs, the last and the, my third and last of my shout-outs uh, for, for this week is going to be... Oh, I'm going to be a bit sentimental now. It's to our pets. Right? They've loved it, us being home, haven't they? Our cats and our dogs, they don't know what's hit them. They're usually sort of like locked outside or locked in the house until we come home. And now we're here all the time. They're absolutely loving it. My cat's fast asleep next to me right now, all, all curled up. Absolutely in seventh heaven. Um, but they keep us company. They keep us happy. You know, a house is, is, is not a home, I don't think, until you've got a pet in there. You know, whatever it might be. And for me, a pet is not a pet. I don't even like the word pet. Because as soon as I have a have a, an animal in the house, they become part of the family. I completely I'm not I'm that much of a hippie, really. I'm that I'm that in tune with nature. I'm properly out there, guys. Um, but it's true. They welcome you. It's unconditional love. They're happy to see you. Even cats. People say cats don't show you love. They absolutely do. Um, you just got to treat them right, and I think you've got to get them from an early age where they bond with you. But if you, if you buy a cat as a young kitten. And they bond. You become part of the pack. Um, you part of their pack, or you they become part of your pack, and whatever the hierarchy is. I completely think they're in charge. Every morning, I think he's in charge because he, he no doubt tells me because he's hungry. Deanie, don't you, mate? Constantly hungry that cat, but screams at me in the morning until he's been fed. So I think the hierarchy works that way. But a house always feels empty without uh, an animal in there. So, a big shout out, especially if you're in, in isolation and you've got no one else around you. If you've got an animal in your life, if you've got a cat, a dog, or, you know, any other sort of animal. But particularly cats and dogs, you know, they, they bring a happiness that, that, um, that, that little else will bring. So, shout out to them. And that's it for another week, guys. And that's another show. That's episode four, done and dusted. Thank you so much for... For listening, I hope you found it entertaining. 
I hope you found something of interest in all my blatherings and, and carryings on. Um, any comments, any feedback, any questions you've got to give. Remember my email address, tells from a homeworker at outlook.com. You can contact me on social media. Uh, please, please do get in touch with your thoughts. Please do subscribe to the podcast. Saves you having to remember it lands uh, every every week then, doesn't it? It lands in your little, get a little alert saying there's another one. Um, so please do subscribe. Please do like and rate. Um, I am now apparently global. I've had an email from Apple. They said, you're global. So yeah, we're out there. We're out in the universe. Um, so for, for those, if there's anybody in foreign lands far away listening right now, this is what England feels like. Um, you're welcome to ask your questions and please, please do. Happy to answer. Um, and can't wait for this lockdown to be eased a little bit because one day I might be able to get some other people involved in the podcast. I want you next to me so we can have a conversation. That'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, so any questions, any stories, any anything you want to say, I want to hear from you. Tells from a home worker at outlook.com. Please, please to get in touch. My name's Mike and I will see you next week. <laughs>